Now the walls are falling down. Now the storms are closing in. And here I am again. Jesus, hold me now. I need to feel you in this place. To know you by my side. And hear your voice tonight. Jesus, hold me now. I long for your embrace. I'm beaten, broken down. I can't find my way out. Jesus, hold me now. Jesus, hold me now. Curse this morning sun. It drags me in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started with gospel in work and uh, gospel in family last week, how these things actually intersect and uh, work in our lives, how the gospel actually takes uh, a complete part in every aspect of who we are. And uh, today, we're going to do another element of life, which is really important. So I'm going to get you to play that first song for us, um, Kath. No, not that one. And can it be?
Kath. I've cut that short, sorry guys. Uh, play the next one for us. Let's go. Oh, what's your life, man? I know a lot of people that are scared to go, yeah. Couple of them thinking they'll be living in the sky. But I'm here living and I gotta ask why. What am I here for? I gotta figure out. Waste my life, no, I gotta make it count. If Christ is real, then what am I gonna do about? Everything in Luke 12, 15, now 21, you really gotta go and check it out. Paul said if Christ ain't resurrected, then we wasted our lives. But that implies that our lives built around Jesus being alive. God, they're gonna show the world why. Christ is more than everything I'll ever try. Thanks, Kath. Thanks, Kath. Music. Music. Um, big variation, obviously, between those couple of songs. Um, can I tell you they're both strongly evangelical, Bible-centred guys who wrote those songs. Charles Wesley wrote the first song, And Can It Be? And we had lots of people beginning to join in with that. A man by the name of Lecrae wrote that second song. And he is a very strong, gospel-centred Christian guy. Music. It has many wide variations. Both of those songs, even though you may not have picked up the words in the second song, are gospel-focused and gospel-centred. Music's a really, really big issue in our lives. So today we're going to talk about gospel in music, gospel in music. So uh, if you've got your Bible, let's go to Psalm 147, and we're going to read that. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the outcasts of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars, he gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power, his, his understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked to the ground." Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving and make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares the rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food. For to the young ravens that cry, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates, and he blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders, and he fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Our Father, we thank you that we can come before you today and praise you for all that you are. And Father, we thank you that we can do that today through song. We thank you now that we can do that as we open up and look at gospel and music. And I pray, God, that you'll open our hearts up just to see how important it is, how vital it is, and what a glorious gift you've given to us in music and how we can use that for the gospel. Lord, we do ask that. We do pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Music is a dominating influence in our lives today. It really is. 
It doesn't seem to matter whether, where you or I go, uh, there'll be some sort of music probably playing in the background somewhere around about us. You go to a shopping plaza and what do you hear as you walk through? There's sort of music sort of jingling there in the background. Go to the football and you'll see at the halftime breaks or the quarter breaks or any sort of break in play, they'll burst out with a bit of song or a bit of music. And the same with the cricket. If you watch that 2020, it's even happening somewhat during the game, sometimes between balls or between overs. Uh, basketball, lots of sporting activities. If you've been watching tennis for the last few days, they'll play music here, there and everywhere at various times. Go to a party, same thing. There'll be something filling in the background there in the way of music. Whether we like it or not, music is a part of our lives. It is. Uh, music, I think, is something everybody enjoys to some extent. Some people live for it and love it. Other people just choose to enjoy it in their own way. That's okay. So today we're asking, what does the gospel have to say about music? Does God care about music? Our creator who's given us all that we have, does he have anything to say about music as we think about that today? So today we do want to show that music is a God-created gift given to us. It's given to glorify God. It's given for our benefit and for our good as well in music. Firstly, really important to see that God has created music. Music is created by God himself. When we were created in the image of God, we were given creative abilities to be creative people. And God in his perfect wisdom enabled us to create music. We only get into the second chapter of Genesis in the Bible, the second second chapter of the Bible, uh, full stop, and we actually see the first song in the Bible for us there. Genesis 2, 23 says this, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I didn't quite sing it then, but if you look at it in your Bible... You probably see it in an indented form or something like that, different to the rest of your text. That's because in the Hebrew language, when it was originally written or when Moses brought it down, it's written as a song or a poem. So we get into the second chapter of the Bible and we see a song or a poem there for us straight away. Two chapters later, we see the mention, or a few chapters later, we see the first mention of musical instruments. Genesis 4.21, it says this, His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and the pipe. Maybe Jubal was the first Jackson family we know about. It could have been the Jackson Five. That was the family of those who played the pipe and the lyre. He taught his family how to play instruments. God has put it into mankind to be musical. To be musical. This hasn't come about by chance. It's by God's good design that we are musical people in varying degrees and forms. But music doesn't stop here, just in the first few chapters of Genesis. Music and song comes up hundreds of times throughout the Scriptures, hundreds of times throughout the Bible. Look, Just look at these passages with me as we go through. Exodus 15, 20 and 21. Miriam, Moses' sister, sings a song celebrating the deliverance that God has given them from the Egyptians as they crossed the Red Sea. There's a song that she sings out loud. 1 Samuel 18, 6 and 7. The Israelites are celebrating in song God's victory through David over their enemies. They sing a song of victory. Uh, the Psalms we've just read from are full of songs. 
They're full of songs and poems, various songs. Some songs are songs of lament and sadness and the grief they're going through, and other songs are joyful and glad. Matthew 26, 30, as we step into the New Testament, Jesus leads his disciples in a song before going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus sung. He was a singer. He leads his disciples in a song. Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas are singing songs while they're locked up in prison. Now that list could go on and on and on. The numbers of times songs, singing, music in some fashion or form is in the Bible for us. There's countless times we can see that. And as we think about music, it's also important to understand that music really is a powerful medium that God has created with us. Music can have a very strong effect upon us. I saw some of the reactions on the two different songs I played before. I got some really broad smiles on the first song, and I sort of got some frowns on the second song. It has an effect upon us. It really does. There's massive amounts of scientific studies that are shown out there the powerful effects that music have upon us. Music can lower our stress. It can. It's proven. And it can affect the way we think. You can put the right type of music on and it has a soothing effect upon somebody. It just begins to soothe them. This is what music does. Studies have shown, scientific studies have shown that music can make us feel, feel, is probably the word there, uh, quotation marks, more hopeful and powerful in life. Scientific studies have shown that. They've tested this and shown the results that people's feelings change with music. Uh, If you've been watching the tennis, you would have seen people like Serena Williams and others, their massive big headphones on before they go out to play tennis. They're trying to actually, as it were, get some sort of feeling of power, maybe your hopefulness, by listening to the music to sort of get them pumped up. And you see that often with athletes. They want to get themselves in the zone and focus. They'll get this music to sort of get them revved up or somewhat. In the USA, they've discovered if if they play positive music through a restaurant... The tips go up. So if you're in a cafe today, I'll be saying, put on some really nice positive music and maybe the tip jar might fill up a little bit quicker. That's what they discovered. On a documentary called Kaching, which was about Australia, the pokey nation, which I'd encourage you to watch. It's a really eye-opener to what the poker machines are doing here. They got musicians to compose music for the poker machines to make the players feel good. They actually interviewed the guy who was composing the music for the poker machines and he said, I'm doing certain chords and certain progressions and certain chimes to make people feel good as they're playing the poker machine, even though they're losing money. Even when they get the smallest little win, it makes this real ta-da sort of noise. It makes the people feel good about what they're doing, even though at the end of their session they've lost potentially hundreds of dollars. Music affects the players of poker machines. Science has proved that there's a direct link with music and the release of dopamine. Now you might say, what's dopamine? It's not a dopey person. Dopamine is the brain chemical that is produced to make us feel good. When music is played, it has a link to releasing dopamine in our brains to make us feel good. And really, if we think about it, Science only proves what we already know and have experienced ourselves. If you've had small children or you've got small children now, 
if they're sort of sitting around doing nothing, if you put in a sort of a boppy music and play that in the CD player or on the MP3 or whatever, see what happens. They get up and they probably start dancing and jumping, don't they? Music has this effect upon them straight away. Music is a wonderful, fantastic thing that God has created and given to us to experience his joy and hope. Music is a good thing. It's a really good thing, and it's a really good gift that God has given to us in the gift of music. So let's not get that wrong there. Music is fantastic. It's great. Now, as much as music is a great thing that God has given to us, we live in a world today where the music that we experience often is scratched. Scratched. And you might say, what do you mean by that? Or when I say that music is scratched, I mean that the music we listen to today can be used for evil purposes and turned around for used for bad things, wrong things. Music's a really, really good thing, but it can be used for dishonouring God, the creator of music. People will use music to celebrate what is evil. People will use music to actually were, um, uh, put in lights what is evil and what is wrong. When Moses was leading the people across the wilderness, uh, he got to Mount Sinai and God called him up to Mount Sinai. And he went up there for quite a while, 40 days, 40 nights, and he was receiving instruction from God on how the Israelites should now live as a community of believers uh, out here in the wilderness. And Moses, Moses had been up the mountain for a long time. And the people were beginning to wonder, uh, what's happened to Moses? Maybe he's gone off and found the promised land and left us all behind or something like that. They thought maybe he wasn't coming back. So what they did for themselves in the meantime was make a new God. They got all their gold earrings and everything else, threw them in this fire and furnace, and according to Aaron, out popped out this golden calf, and they began to say, this is your God, uh, Israel. This is what Aaron told them. This is your God who has brought you out of Egypt. But anyway, Moses is coming back down the mountain, and we pick it up here because these guys began to make a big party in celebration about this new God they'd discovered, who was the one who'd supposedly them out of Egypt. And we pick it up now in verses 17 and 19 as Moses and Joshua are coming down the mountain. He says this, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he, Moses said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses's anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. What were the Israelites doing? They were having a party, full of music, full of singing, full of dancing. And what were they doing in this singing and in this dancing? They were celebrating a false god. They were singing and celebrating about a false god. What they were doing wasn't true to who God really is. They were using music and song, a good gift of God to worship a false god that was a direct insult and a direct abuse and offence towards the one true God that they'd already experienced in their own deliverance coming out of Egypt. They'd now exchanged that for a lie and were using God's good gift of music to sing and dance and celebrate what was wrong, what was not true. They were using the good gift of music for evil purposes. And we see that today no different. Maybe not so much a golden calf, but that still could possibly happen. But we can see plenty other times where music is used for this. There was a song I heard of a couple of years ago uh, about um, a couple getting together 
And the line went like this, married, but not to each other. This is a, 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 a relationship here between two, a guy and a girl um, meeting together at a motel somewhere and it said we're married but not to each other. In other words, we're married to someone else but we're going to have this cheating affair in the meantime. Music celebrating a cheating relationship. There's music that ob- objectifies women as sexual objects. We use music and song to do that. Also, music and song can be used to promote violence and destruction. There's what they call this death metal music sometimes. You get into that and sort of see what's happening there. And what they're singing about is actually promoting violence and destruction through music. It can be used for evil purposes. We have music festivals here where people now are overdosing on all types of drugs and often some are dying. In a sense, the music has an influence on that whole atmosphere that's taking place there where people begin to lower their inhibitions and, as it were, just sort of get into the mood of the party. And before they know it, they've accepted a pill or a tablet or whatever it might be, and then they wake up hours later in in intensive care, barely alive. And sometimes some have died. Now, I'm not saying music is the direct cause in that situation. It certainly isn't the direct cause. But music is, though, used as a vehicle for evil purposes. The music in that situation is being used to help provide, as it were, an atmosphere for these evil things to happen. It sort of begins to lower their inhibitions and they just begin to do whatever. You see, this is scratched or broken music. It's the result of pushing God out of our lives and we become the masters of our own destiny, so to speak. That's what happened with the Israelites and Moses. Uh, they, the Israelites just said, Moses is not coming down, so we'll just do anything we like now. We'll just make up our own God and go our own way. And they did that despite even experiencing what God had already done previously, only sometimes days before, in the deliverance of getting them through the Red Sea. They sang a song about it perhaps only a few weeks before. And here they are now saying, no, it's not that God, it's this golden calf. They pushed God right out of the picture. And the reason we push God right out of the picture is because our hearts or our inner person is broken. It's broken. So that all we can now produce, in a sense, is scratched music, broken music. We allow this brokenness, as it were, to be reflected through the good gift of music that God has given to us. We know that an affair is wrong, yet we will sing songs to celebrate it. We know that God's law and order is a good thing, but we'll sing songs about destruction and going against the law and order. Now, sometimes someone might say, yeah, I get all that, but why can't we just sing a new song? Why can't we just sort of repair ourselves and just sing a new song and then all will be, all be good again? We'll sort of patch up things with God and we'll, we'll all be on the, on the right side of God. Unfortunately, we aren't like that. We can't, as it were, remove the scratch from the CD of our lives. We can try... We can try to sing a new song, as it were, with our life, through our life's actions, but very quickly we fall back to our old ways because our inner person, our heart, is broken. We are just like a rat, as it were, on a spinning wheel, trying to work as hard as we can to renew our hearts and trying to to write a new song, as it were, to live a life that may be pleased before God, somewhere that I can earn God's acceptance back in my life again, but we can run as hard as we like on a spinning wheel, but we'll get nowhere. Because what we need is not just a spinning wheel to try and get us to produce a new life song. We need a whole new heart 
We need a whole new control. So we need a whole new inner person with a whole new set of desires and motivations to get us singing the song that God wants us to sing. And that can only come one way. And that is only where we see Jesus, as it were, step into our lives to produce and give us this new heart so that we can sing a new song. And then he wants us, as it were, to turn the music up in that new song, to proclaim his honour and his glory through that music. You see, Jesus' life has always sung the perfect song. Jesus' life has always had the music that's never missed a beat. He lived a perfect life. And Jesus takes, at the cross, as it were, our scratched, broken life of music, where our heart affects the way we've used music and affects our whole life, as it were. He takes that and exchanges it for his perfection at the cross. He takes our brokenness, we take his perfection. And as we put our trust in his death in our place and turn from this brokenness, Jesus completely forgives us and cancels the debt of sin that we have against him. And when this happens, the gospel transforms us to sing and make music with a new heart, with a whole new set of desires and motivations. The gospel then, as it were, redeems the good gift of music as an aspect of our lives and it's now used to glorify the God who saved us. We can see music take its right and proper place as the gospel now speaks into music through what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we may well ask ourselves, well, how does that look? How does the gospel shape music for us today? This incredibly great gift, this fantastic gift that God has given to us in life. Three things I want us to look at as we think about hearing music and the way the gospel uh, shapes, transforms and works with music in our lives. Firstly, as we see God in his truth, it should motivate us to sing about him. As we see God in his truth, it should motivate us to want to sing about him. Look at Psalm 147, we see it right there in verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. There's the gospel for us in the Psalms. There's the good news about music for us in the Psalms. It is good for us and absolutely right that we sing praises to God. We should. We're commanded to, in fact. Because he goes on to verse 12, and, and, and the psalmist says to the people of Jerusalem, Zion, he says, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, O Zion. He's saying, do this. Praise God. Praise him in Jerusalem. Praise him in Zion. God wants us to take the gift of music and song that he's created to praise him. It is fitting. It is right. We should do that. God has created us to use music to declare his praises to the world. The first thing the gospel does, it shapes us in the way that we should sing. We should praise. First thing. Second thing is this. Gospel and music is that it must be grounded in the truth of who God is. Music must be grounded in the truth. Look here how the psalmist in this psalm connects the song, because it's a song here that he's written, with the truth of who God is as he writes this. Look in verses 2 and 3. He says here, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. 
He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He's telling us something about who God is and what he does. He heals the brokenhearted. And we ultimately experience that through the gospel where our broken hearts are healed by the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansing us from every sin. The song is connecting us with the truth of who God is and what he's done. Look at these next passages. As I read through them, look at the word he. Every time you see the word he, that's God. Read with me. Great is our Lord, verses 5 and 6. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His, God, God's understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Verses 8 and 9. He, God, covers the heavens with clouds. God prepares rain for the earth. God makes grass grow on the hills. God gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens their cry. For God strengthens the bars of your gates, verses 13 and 20. God blesses your children within you. God makes peace in your borders. God fills you with the finest of the wheat. God sends out his command to the earth. God's word runs swiftly. God gives snow like wool. God scatters frost like ashes. God hurls down crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before God's cold? God sends out his word and melts them. God makes his wind blow and the waters flow. God declares his word to Jacob. God's statutes and rules to Israel. God has not dealt with us in it. God has not dealt, dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know God's rules. Praise the Lord. Can you see what the psalmist is doing there? It's all about God. This song is connecting us to the truth of who God is. He's saying, sing, it's right, it's fitting, it's good to sing. You should sing. Jerusalem, sing. But then he connects it to the truth. It's all about God and who he is. This is what the gospel does in transforming music. We sing out this truth as a visible expression of the glory and the greatness of God. We declare his truth and we sing this out and we declare his praises. We proclaim through music the glorious truth here about this awesome God who we're told in that psalm whose understanding is beyond measure. We're connecting the truth of who God is in music. And this is what the truth does for us here in music. This truth builds up our faith and our belief in God. It fills us with who he is. It transforms our mind and grows our faith in Jesus Christ and who he is. It's not just a feeling, it's real hope and it's real faith as we sing this truth, as we declare this truth. And this is the purpose here of our music at Exchange. This is why we sing on a Sunday morning. This is why we gather and we start off with some songs. We arrive here with any type of week you may have had, good, bad, or in between. And we all experience, sometimes we rock up here Sunday and we are bouncing. Sometimes we walk up, rock up here on Sunday mornings and we are sort of just groveling along the floor. It all depends on the sort of week we've had. You can come anything like that. We might arrive here with a thousand things racing through our minds. So what do we do? We sing. We sing praise to God. And also as we sing, we refocus our mind back onto the greatness of God. That's the purpose of singing, getting us refocusing and thinking about who God is. And in a way, when we are singing truth, 
is that we are preaching to ourselves. We are building ourselves up as we think about the greatness of God. Here's a song that we sing. It says this in this verse. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. And that's not scripture as in chapter and verse, but it's scriptural truth. We sing that and it builds us up. It refocuses us. Singing truth like that grows us in Christ. It builds into our heart deep gospel foundations, redemption gospel foundations. It builds into our heart strength and courage to live for Jesus Christ. We come and we use the God-given gift of music and we sing this truth as it were we are preaching to ourselves. Sometimes you could sing a song like that coming and feeling low and it lifts your spirit because you preach that truth to yourself. You begin to get it back into your mind again. Makes you want to sing that now in a sense, doesn't it? Third aspect about gospel singing is this. I believe it's meant to be authentically carried out in an attractional way. Gospel singing should be attractive. It should draw people in. Our music and singing is a very powerful medium for our feelings. We've already talked a little bit that early on. It should show exactly what we feel about Christ. Singing should be like that. God actually commands us, commands us to sing with joy. Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says this, O come, the psalmist says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. We're commanded to sing with joy. We're commanded to lift our voices and to declare his praises with joy. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Jesus has saved us from an eternity of damnation and suffering in hell. Jesus has called us into personal relationship with him. And his kingdom is all about peace, joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Not only now, but for eternity. So our singing must reflect that. It must reflect who the rock of our salvation is. It must reflect joyfully what he has done for us and what he calls us into. Sing for joy. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That singing has to be attractional, doesn't it? It must be attractional. It must draw people in. It's got to be. 
If it's marked with real gospel joy, I am sure as we sing that, I'm convinced as we sing gospel truths in a joyful fashion, people may walk right past this footpath here and they might think, there's something about those guys. They seem joyful about something. They seem happy about something. It must be attractional. A young lady shared this testimony with a few years ago and she told me about how she came to Christ. She had a really, really rough week. She had a really, really low week and was at a really low moment in her life. She was walking down the street and then she heard this noise in the distance. As she walked closer and closer, she could hear that this noise was coming from a church as she walked up the footpath of the street. She could hear music and singing, she told me. And she told me as she got closer to the church and sort of began to make more sort of distinguishable noises from there, she could hear that this noise was joyful and happy. So she said, I'm just going to go and have a look. I'm feeling so low, I'm just going to go and see what these people are singing so joyfully about. And she went in. That church loved her. That church shared Jesus with her. Prior to that, she was not a believer, and that started her in the journey of faith. But walking up that footpath that night, hearing that singing, and she just got attracted to that church at that particular time. What initially attracted her at that time? It was the singing. Joyful singing. Attracted her to come in to this group of people and see what was going on. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that truly amazing? That the Holy Spirit takes this glorious gift of music and as we joyfully use it, it becomes attractional for the gospel. It begins to draw people in to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit moves through music that is grounded in truth, sung in joy, to bring people to Christ. I think that's amazing. And it's so easy in so many respects as well. So how about you today and music? How about you today in music? Well, you might say, hey, look, music just isn't my thing. I'm not into it. I'm just not into music. Wrong. You should be into music. We're commanded to sing with joy. I'm not saying you've got to be into it like a composer or a musician or someone professional like that. Sure, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying this is this. The gospel and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit should empower us to get into singing and to sing with joy. You don't have to be a full-on, you know, metalhead sort of thing, walking out of the airplane. I'm not saying that. Just commit yourself to singing. God commands us to use this gift he's given to us. Oh, you might say, Todd, I can't sing, no. I can't sing. Well, how do you know you can't? You know, that doesn't matter either if you can't sing. I speak from experience actually on that one myself. We make every effort to sing singable songs at exchange. We work hard to try and get them in between keys or chords or something to make them easier to sing. Sometimes we don't quite get it right, but we try and make it where everybody can jump in. I can't sing well, but I tell you what, if I just jump in, I can sort of find the sweet spot somewhere. As long as I don't go way up there and go way down there, I can sort of I can find myself... Doesn't matter if you think you can't sing. Just join in. Just get activated. Just commit yourself to it. Just do it. God gives us the power to do it. And he promises great blessing in that. Today, friends, as we just wrap this up now, 
We've got to let the gospel transform the way we think about music and song. Don't come here and say, well, I'll just sit back and watch and be a spectator. No, join in with this glorious gift that God's given to us to sing. It's a powerful way that the Holy Spirit uses through us to declare the praises and the truth about God, who God is, and to build us up, and as it were, sometimes to lift us up out of our downcast hearts. Music is also a powerful way that the Spirit uses as well to make Jesus look wonderfully attractive as we joyfully sing about who he is and what he's done for us. I'd ask you afresh today, why don't you make that commitment, make that commitment today in the power of the Holy Spirit to lift your voice in praise and joy through music for God's glory that he's given to us to do that. Make that commitment today and join in with singing and see God be made look glorious through that. Let's pray. Father, we uh, give you thanks and praise today as we come and as we uh, think about gospel and music. Father, we thank you for this glorious gift that you've given to us in music. Lord, I know the blessings that I receive uh, from music as I uh, hear people sing sometimes. I know some of the great singers we have here, they put a song together, Lord, and it lifts my heart to worship and praise you as we work together with the other singers. God, thank you for that gift of music. And I pray, transform our hearts, Holy Spirit. Transform our hearts to really uh, lock into music and lock into the gift that it is to use it for the glory of Jesus Christ, to see him made look great and glorious and to use it as a vehicle that people would be attracted to the gospel and the wicked share Jesus with them. Well, for those who think, I just can't sing, I can't get into it, Lord, please give me the ability and the power today to make that commitment or decision to sing, to sing joyfully and to do this in a way that really does lift our hearts before you. Father, we want to commit that to you now and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.